Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast service you listen to us on. Subscribe and share it with somebody that you love. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by my good friend and someone who is so shocked that Ricky got second place on Big Brother Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Hey, man, the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, that was a good uh, good run by Ricky. Uh, I admittedly did not watch a second of the show. I know I, I joked when he was first on it that it would be must-watch TV, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll try to find a highlight clip because I'm sure the uh, the giant Zen Buddha was was fantastic on the show. But, man, this is a, this is a big week. Uh, not only... Is uh, are you celebrating a, a birthday? And uh, let me say on the podcast, happy birthday to um, I don't know if I'm officially the godfather, but I'm gonna call myself the godfather of your son Trip. Um, <laughs> and uh, happy second birthday, Trip. Uh, and also, um, we're gonna see each other this week, so we'll be neither in in Oklahoma nor Texas, but going like the uh, the Texas uh, Senate does when they need to filibuster to nearby New Mexico. It's uh, it's weird that we're going to get the whole crew in place. The you know, Raymond, who I host my other podcast with, and Mario, who listens to neither of them, uh, <laughs> will all be in the same place at, at the same time, which is rare. I don't know if it's happened uh, at not at a wedding or, well, this one's a bachelor party, so whatever. Uh, but <laughs> we've got – it was actually a really big weekend for Texas. Basketball had a big win. Baseball had some big wins. Softball had some big wins. Recruiting and football had some big wins. There is a ton going on, so let's jump right in. We talked about it last week that maybe the Texas basketball team had turned a corner, and then the Purple People Eaters from Manhattan and <laughs> Kansas happened. Texas lost to Kansas State 71-64, to one of the most uneven performances, I think it's a fair way to say it, I've yeah. seen from them all year. But then they bounced back to beat Oklahoma State just they may or may not have kicked them out of the conference is what that felt like. So a 69 (laughs) to 57 win over the Oklahoma state Cowboys. It felt significantly larger than 12 points for most of that game. Uh, But with five games left on the schedule, Kyle, which Texas team, the one that we saw against Kansas state or the one that we saw against Oklahoma state, which one do you expect? and, And kind of how do they keep the thing moving in the right direction for the final you know, a few games of the season. Well, I mean, it, it's a it's a split week and probably one that you could have picked uh, if you looked at the way each of these teams were playing. Um, you know, I think it's about par for the course. I think Texas can probably par for their course their way to the tournament. Um, right now, they have a good enough record. Just win the ones they should and, and, you know, don't embarrass yourself in the ones you shouldn't. It is still a tough schedule heading out, so they do need to be on top of their game. Um, but... You know, the, the, the five games remaining, you know, uh, are on the road at at uh, OU and Norman, on the road in Waco, on the road in Lubbock, which none of those places, uh, you know, just in general on the road hasn't been Texas's forte this season. Um, but, you know, they, they could hopefully win uh, one or if not two of those, and then they get Iowa State 
who they almost beat up in Ames uh, back at home and finish out in the uh, the final Del Conte Bowl of the uh, football and basketball season at home against TCU. Um, so if they can probably take a couple of those, a pair at least, then they should be good for um, kind of the postseason. And, and, you know, this is a good chance to to um, to harden the software. You know, they, they've been through the, uh, the dev process. They're now into the hardening phase they got to get all the bugs and kinks out before uh going to going to prod um sorry that's my that's my real nerdy uh, uh agile project management vernacular coming out there but uh, it's incredible y- that i have a nerd <laughs> podcast and you don't uh but nonetheless you know they they're, they're pretty close to to as good as they're going to be this season and that is going to be a product that's uneven. I think that makes for fun games. It makes for them winning games they shouldn't in the tournament, but it also, you can't ever look at Texas's road, whether it's the Big 12 you know, tournament after their last game or presuming they make it into, into the dance. You can't look at it and assume what you're going to get with this team. I mean, even in that Kansas State, I mean, out of these, the four halves um, they played, or even if you want to do it eight quarters, because basketball should be in quarters, um, you know, they, they played probably seven of them they were the better team um they just happened that they once uh once kansas state went to the zone and and kind of cut off the lob and, and and didn't allow the the penetration by going to the zone texas didn't have an answer and kansas state just put the game away um which is which is worrying but you know ultimately they were the better team for a majority of of um certainly that that game and or certainly the oklahoma state game and most of the kansas state game so again maybe i'm being an optimist here but i see a team that against one of the you know a definite tournament team uh, definitely you know a top 25 team in kansas state for most of that game looked like the better team on the court like it's frustrating to not see that end product and it's frustrating to see how much they, you know, the game flipped, like you said, to, to have completely uh, different narratives. But, you know, this week or, or weeks as the final stretch will, will, will tell us a lot about how much we can get our hopes up for everything that comes next. Well, and the crazy thing about this is if Texas manages to not lose to Kansas State, who is weirdly leading the conference, like they're right there in the race where tech and Kansas are tied at nine and four and Texas is a half game back of Kansas state and Iowa state. So like the difference in the conference in the, in the kind of the tops and the mids, because you know, Texas is really that line of demarcation. Texas is kind of the bottom of those mid tier uh, schools in the conference is about a game and a half is all that's standing between you know, basically the top of the conference and the bottom of the conference. So if Texas can manage to, again, OU four and nine in conference, but overall in the season, they're eight and four at home versus a five and five on the road and three and one on neutral sites. So it's just one of those like TCU again is a team that infinitely beatable except 11 and three at home. So I, it's tough that Texas has this road stand at the end of the season because, and you said it was fun to watch this team because you never know what you're going to get. For me, it's, it's <laughs> infuriating because sure. I'm like, where on God's green earth is the team that beat Kansas pretty handily? Like, where's that team? Yeah. Where's the team that absolutely just beat Oklahoma state to death for again, four quarters, as we will say on this podcast forever now, uh, like, how do we, <laughs> where's that team? And that's frustrating to me. Like, 
the fact that Dylan O was perfect from three point land in the Oklahoma state game. Like where has that been all freaking season? Like, I don't know what else to do. He made one in this week. He made one against Kansas state, which, which was enough to send my heart a flutter. But then, yeah, he was, he was perfect three for three. In fact, he was perfect from the floor. He was two for two from two, three for three from three and one for one from the free throw line, which must be some kind of achievement on, on uh, whatever the NCAA 2k 19 is. But, um, but yeah, I mean that when you get that, that's what we always say. What do you get from from your guys, your known entities, and who steps up? And I, I do want to take a moment because we kind of spent the last pod singing his praises for Courtney Ramey. There was kind of a little moment uh, in this one where it's a little bit of that that kind of leadership gap where you have a young kid who's the alpha male his entire life. He just says things and everyone listens. He's the best player on the court. And how you translate, you look at it just to juxtapose a really kind of wild I'm not trying to make a direct comparison here but you look at a guy like Ellinger who came in and immediately you know walked the walk talked the talk and just had the gravitas to be a leader that everyone respected even as a younger player there's a different that the transition from high school leader to college leader is a big deal um, and you saw Ramey end up getting benched for kind of the way he was barking him and shouting at the at, at the players um, you know it, how he responds to that he did pretty well in the in the Oklahoma State game after that but you know it, it was uh, you see Eli kind of get some of those minutes um, and if it's a good Eli and a Courtney Ramey who you know is having a coaching moment, I don't know what what the best mix of that is for a productive Texas team. Again, I'm not going to question a coach putting his stamp and making sure that his players, you know, learn from their mistakes and grow from them. But at this point in the season, we really need to be gelling and firing at 100. So just a little interesting storyline to watch as we go through these final games. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. So Texas, again, next up has Oklahoma in an early game on the 23rd. So that's what, Saturday? They have an 11 a.m. tip against Oklahoma, so we've got uh, a few days to stew on that. Again, going to Norman has not been easy this year, and Texas is, is going to have to figure it out because I think they need to win. I think any more bad losses and the plate starts to wobble. Yep. So I think they have to win, like you said, win a couple. I'm, I'd be fine with them you know, whatever, if it's losing to Iowa state and, and tech, but you know, kind of getting, picking up those other three, I think that feels fair. Yeah. It's a fair expectation. Kind of going three and two losing to Iowa state and love. I, I do think though, they have Iowa state at home and they basically almost beat Iowa state name. So if they can beat Iowa state, that's a whole different conversation. Oh yeah. We could be having a different talk on this podcast about how, you know, we should be watching out for them in the big 12 tournament. And this is a chance. This is a chance to get some momentum. I mean, you're playing two of the better teams in conference in Iowa state and tech, and you're playing three teams that you, like you said, sit right around you in that tier, but you're probably the best of those three. Um, so this is a good chance to, to state where you are and stake your claim for a, a wild big 12 conference uh, week after the season. We have to wait five full days for this game, which is silly, but we'll, uh, we'll get there. I think we'll survive. So the baseball team threw out their first pitch of the official 2019 season, not counting the alumni game, obviously. And they managed to take the weekend series against the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns 2-1 to one in a couple of nail biters. Uh, so they won Friday in the 10th, 3-1 to one on a walk-off 
two-run double by Austin Todd, which was great. Saturday, they came out on top six to five. They scored five in the top of the second and then gave up four in the bottom of the second <laughs> before uh, before kind of just inching away from uh, the Raging Cajuns. And then on Sunday, they trailed eight to one heading into the seventh inning. And then they scored four in the seventh to close the gap a little bit, but were unable to finally close the deal. So of the first weekend of baseball, Kyle, it was better than mixed, obviously, because they came out on top. But yeah. uh, having to come back or you know being in such a big deficit against Louisiana on Sunday is a little tough. So what, is, what does that mean and how – is it – is it too much to start thinking and extrapolating that out to the full season uh, kind of look ahead? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. They're starting the season on the road. Texas doesn't typically do that all the time, but uh, they started on the road um, at a Ulala team that's not a cupcake. They're, they're a pretty good side. Um, and, you know, if, if, if we're going to extrapolate, then I think it might be that Texas might be in some close games this year, um, which makes it very watchable. Um, I think they have good pitching. I think especially at the top, you're going to see good pitching, but I think you're going to see, um, you know, teams that maybe on our bullpen, which is young and has upside, but might be a little uneven uh, or, you know, like on our third day starter, we're still kind of determining who that's going to be. Um, you know, you, you might get third games of series that get a little wonky, um, like you saw in this one. Giving up walks is, is going to be an issue. They need to kind of rein that in. And again, you you have 18, I believe it's 18 or it's it's certainly above uh, above 15 freshmen on on this pitching staff. I mean that's a ton redshirt freshmen as well. That's a ton. Um, a lot of the arms at Texas are are young. Um, they have talent. They have guys at the top who you can who you can bank on. But anytime you put the ball um, into a, an unproven you know kid's hand, no matter how good he was in high school and how big a talent he was as a recruit, there's going to be jitters. There's going to be probably just a little unevenness um un- unfortunately you know they don't have the type of schedule uh that really allows you to to get that out because you know they do play uh, a rice team Purdue's pretty good will be coming um sam houston state a very good team uh lsu stanford i mean tech comes in is the big 12 favorite to open up big 12 play um uh, not very long in mid-march so i mean it's it's coming quick and, and, and fast, and, and, and you'll learn really quickly, you know, how good they are. The one thing that I do want to say that we saw and was fantastic is that in Elder, we have a kid who, I mean, is one of the most exciting arms we've had in Texas in a while. If he can if he can make this a, the way he's going to throw all year, uh, then, man, enjoy him while you got him because he just looks like, He's ready for the big leagues. Eight innings pitch, only gave up four hits, I think, after uh, he retired 11 straight after giving up a hit later in the game. But to kind of end out, he, he went out on, on retiring 11 straight before uh, handing over the handing over the ball because it did go to extra innings because the offense didn't quite produce. But, um, you know, pitched, pitched a, a nine-strikeout, nine eight-inning, four-hit, uh, no-earn run Um well, you, you could question well if it was an earned run or an error, but um, performance, just really wonderful start to the season at the top. So if, you know, if you're going to get that first night of every one of these series, you can kind of build your rotation around that. And having an anchor is a big deal. Yeah, having a guy who can go eight and only give up four hits and strike out nine, 
every Friday is the way that you compete for national championships. And that's not the expectation for this team, I don't think. But they the expectation is, and I think you can do it with this, is to compete for a conference championship. I think that is a fair mm-hmm. expectation. Especially if Elder can give you that, not even that performance, but, but something comparable week in and week out. The Texas Bats will get the job done. I mean, that there's no question about that. Friday was, again, you're kind of knocking the rust off and you know, Louisiana got a really great performance for their pitchers, pitching staff as well. But Saturday and Sunday, Texas scored 12. Not a small number. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and last year, you didn't always see that. You didn't always see the bats get going. It seemed like when the arms worked, the bats didn't or vice versa. So, I mean, it's it's the worst. Can I can I tell you my favorite, or it's not the worst, I should say, uh, way to open a season. Can I tell you my favorite uh, little piece of trivia because this is just right up my alley that happened um did you notice the trend of the uh the the overperforming freshmen who are also named after presidents i did not so uh, three of texas's uh best kind of impacts were from um ford kennedy and reagan that would be uh, lance ford <laughs> uh who had three hits and a double uh and scored two runs <laughs> eric kennedy um who had a pinch hit three run homer um and, and kind of started that rally where they, they tried to make it close on, on, on Sunday. And then Bryce Reagan, who slotted in and started at shortstop filling in for Hamilton, which is, you know, big shoes and, and, and glasses to fill, um, you know, batted 333 with two runs and an RBI. So um, good, good things for the uh, for the presidential freshman. Um, you know, nothing but nothing but respect for my presidents. <laughs> At least you kept it bipartisan. That's that's what I need to see from you. When you make your ridiculous metaphors, I need it to be bipartisan. So the baseball team will be back in action uh, Tuesday, the day that you're probably listening to this. You can catch it on Conference USA TV, taking on the Rice Owls before a weekend series against the Purdue Boilermakers, uh, all of which you can catch on everybody's favorite channel, especially if you're from College Station, the Longhorn <laughs> Network. So this weekend was a big time recruiting weekend. And as you, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know, Kyle and I cannot stay away from the recruiting news. For some reason, we're gluttons for punishment, but it was Texas's junior day on Saturday. Texas had a huge number of recruits in town. And so with that offers went out, Texas made some big impacts and managed to pick up not one, but two commitments from big time players. So we'll start with the first one to come uh, Four four star athlete. Number four athlete Mookie Cooper, who may be already on the all name team committed <laughs> with the most baller. Uh, I will say Twitter signature ever. Cause most of the guys will do like the long letters about thanks for all the coaches, all that good stuff. He just did. Hook him emoji number five and then signed it, which I think is just absolutely incredible. So Cooper, uh, you may recognize the school he played with uh, Marcus Washington 
uh, Texas 2018 signee and potential like possession receiver in two years. Um, in high school, number 73 overall in the 24-7 composite. He's one of those guys that, that can play kind of anywhere. He's played some running back and some wide receiver. Uh, he's projecting to be more of a slot receiver kind of guy, which, again, never too many of those if you ask me. But that happened on Saturday, and then Sunday, the fireworks continued. We had two shishes from Carrington heading into Saturday. So then a guy that it's not surprising, but it's a big-time pickup, four-star offensive tackle Jalen Garth announced that he was committing, shutting it down. Uh, Laporte Nature's Groves, offensive tackle, just a massive mass of man, um, this offensive line class is looking pretty ridiculous. So uh, let's let's start with just kind of Texas has now had five commitments. They're now officially in the top ten of the twenty four seven ranking with the fewest committed athletes. Uh, so Texas is doing it big, I would say, for the this group, the twenty twenty, the clout group. So what is what do these commitments? straight out the gate, say to you about the momentum heading into uh, this next recruiting cycle? Well, doing it big is, is pretty literal. They're, they're, uh, they're racking in the, the grade A Angus 100% Texas beef. Um, I mean, they are, they're doing well specifically in the, in the trenches with the big uglies, which I know you and I are all about. And, and, you know, the internet was very worked up about, you know, we didn't do enough of, but I did love uh, Tim Beck may have had my and Tim Beck a, a not a not a prolific or prodigious tweeter but may have had one of my favorite tweets uh, about it he had the video of that I'm sure you've all seen it the little girl who's driving like the uh, the miniature gator and runs over her little brother in the yard um, he just tweeted out uh, with the with the addition of our latest commit at coach Han building the OL like, <laughs> and then tweeted that gif and I was like wow Tim Beck okay okay stepping up the game pretty good um, to, but yeah. But truly, I mean, it's 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 a nice little kind of symmetry for a, a tiny Mookie's actually really small, but just an electric scat back <laughs> type who can play in the slot, and then just a big beefy monster in Jalen Garth who's going to just make people's lives very very unfortunate and uncomfortable to have to line up uh, against him next year. But uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, it, this this class is good, and you know it's going to get better that's the part that's exciting um you know one of the things that the obvious burn orange media conspiracy of inflating all of our um, rankings last year um one of the things that was missed was that if you took a you know instead of numbers that do help the ranking having more players helps your ranking uh and took just a rating per recruit ranking texas also beat A&M in that category. But um, so it's nothing new for the Longhorns to to get, you know, good players. And, and, and right now they're in the strategy of they they like to to watch and get a little tape, get a little get a little a uh, little bit of history on these kids. I mean, there's a couple guys, obviously, they're going after. And it's kind of a nice symmetry yet again between Cooper and, and last year's Whittington because Mookie can can just get the ball in his hands and kind of work and can play multiple positions and, and will be worked in just to, to use his speed. Um, and, and if you remember, Whittington was one of our very first guys last year. So I think this class is, is great. I think it's sending the message that, Hey, don't panic. We're not out of the Texas market. If the best player in the position we need is in Texas, we'll get that guy. And not even like, we'll go after that guy. We'll get that guy. 
that's how it should be. It should be, who do we want? Him? Yeah, go get him. He's ours. You know, we're, we're going to have some fights, and then sure, we'll, we'll lose some. But, but more often than not, with Texas playing the type of football that they're playing on the field and then just coming strong with the recruiting game off of it, when they want a guy in the state of Texas, don't worry, fans. They're going to go get him. Yeah, and I think that was the biggest thing for me because, you know, it's Mookie Cooper is an incredible athlete, and getting him on – Getting him committed early is huge because he's one of those build-around guys. But Texas kind of already had a build-around guy for 2020 with Hudson Card. But you mentioned the state of Texas, and that was the big conversation is, oh, the Texas staff is not recruiting Texas high schools, blah, 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 blah. Four of the five currently committed players all from Texas. You've got Austin, Helotus, which is San Mm Antonio-ish, PNG, and then Prosper. So all three linemen and the quarterback all from Texas with the potential addition of a guy like Chad Lindbergh, who basically as long as Stanford can mind its own darn business <laughs> is going to end up in burnt orange. And he's another Texas guy. He's, you know, from league city. So that to me is incredible, but this offensive line class, and I'm not comparing the class overall to this class. Cause this is an unparalleled group, but this group of offensive linemen, especially if they can secure a guy like Lindbergh feels a lot like the 2002 offensive line group, which the 2002 offense, the recruiting class overall is things of legend. Cause it's Vince young, Rod, Wright, You know, Aaron Harris, uh, Chase Pittman, Selvin young. Like that's, that's a legendary class. But when it comes to offensive line, you know, you've got Justin Blaylock who's a five-star guy played in the NFL. Uh, you've got Neil Tweedy who played national championship team. You've got, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> People forget about Neil Tweedy. That guy was good in his time. Yeah, he was. And then you got Casey Studdard, a guy who, again, national championship team. So you've got a couple guys who didn't end up panning out. But those those three were kind of the cornerstone of an offensive line that you won a national championship with. And so I'm not putting that, again, I'm not putting that expectation on this group. But when you look at kind of the renowned classes of Texas from an offensive line. And when Texas has been at its best, it's because they're able to get the best offensive lineman in the state, which from the looks of this class so far, Texas is doing. Yeah. Like I said, I I wasn't, you know, really kidding when I said grade a Texas beef. I mean, we all, we all know the best beef in, in the world comes right here from, from Texas had some delicious uh, barbecue this weekend, a little place called Galvan's down in uh, Richmond, Texas. Try it out. But that's to get back to the point. There's some good Texas beef here. There's some good Texas players all over the board, but there's also, I mean, I, I, the the idea that Herman sees that, does that, but also will look and will say, oh, who's that kid in Missouri? I really like him. I like what he can do. He's electric. Oh, that guy in California. If there's a piece out there, that's a good thing. And I, and I know we've talked that point to death. I just wanted to reiterate this is exciting. This new recruiting strategy of getting the best of, of Texas and also just kind of evening it out um, where you need to, it, it puts us in, in, in pretty exciting territory. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and I think the the tail of the tape for, for Texas recruiting is going to be the Zach Evans battle. Don't yep. expect him to commit anytime soon. Nope. But I think with the offensive line class that Texas is putting together, that is, in, at least in my mindset, that's appealing to a guy who's going to be running behind them. Like, oh, these are the guys I'm going to run behind. I may come play with them. Oh, Texas is putting together a special offensive line. I'm a running back. 
those two <laughs> things go together pretty well. It, it makes a lot of sense. If if that is the play, then Herb Han and Tom Herman are, are even smarter than than what we Mensa and Twitter marvel at, at what those two can do. They're, they're actually certifiable geniuses. Because what a what a perfect uh, what a perfect actual pitch for not just one of the best running backs in in the country, one of the best running back prospects of all time. I'm sure we'll talk about Zach Evans at least a time or two on this podcast going forward. Yeah, Zach Evans will will be a guy that comes up uh, not not a few times. Uh, the number thirty four all time recruit according to uh, according to twenty four seven Sports, which is just stupid. So same on that football front, uh, Texas. Uh, it looks to be adding another offensive or kind of another staff member to the group. The Anwar Richardson of Orange Bloods is reporting that former North Carolina head coach Larry Fedora accepted a position as an offensive uh, analyst with the University of Texas, if I am quoting Anwar correctly. But this seems like a Saban move to get a guy who's kind of taking a year respite between, you know, a head coaching job and landing his next head coaching job. Like is, is Herman trying to model himself after Saban? Like what's, what's the situation here? You know, it's, it's not the worst thing to, to emulate. I, I mean, there are restrictions on how many coaches you can have on the staff. That's the thing that everyone read and said, okay, that's the rules. Nick Saban, you know, 35 years ago, or it just seems like a long time ago, kind of said, now I don't see that as a rule. I see that as a beautiful, exploitable gray area. And so Nick Saban very early um, got in on the idea of of bringing coaches in uh, as analysts who maybe are good coaches, just had a bad run. Um, You know, because of that, they were fired or, you know, they ended their current coaching job and may not get their caliber of coaching job immediately. So you can either go coach something below you, go be a coordinator at another school and try to get the step up, or you can do the Nick Saban rehab program. Um, And he basically takes these coaches, um, you know, lets them sit for a year or two as analysts on his staff. Um, And it doesn't hurt to have guys with head coach experience and new, fresh, innovative ideas trying to prove themselves in your midst. It's gonna, you know, make everyone better. Um, And there is a reason, you know, Saban also has like, I think 363 video analysts on staff. So I they like know every shoelace pat- tying pattern of you know every player on theirs and opposing team, so they definitely um, do it to the nth degree. But I love this. I love this idea. And, and you know, who says we can only have one? Why not? If there's any other coaches out there, maybe recently fired, who have good connections, you know, we could we could add more um, of those. But I do think that Fedora, um, you know, is a guy who was kind of when we hired Herman, there was some rumors that Fedora was you know a, a hot candidate if for whatever reason we couldn't get Herman from LSU um that Fedora may have even been the one of the directions they would look because I believe it's Southern Miss where he had just kind of a lot of success with not a lot of talent and was one of the rising stars of coaching um kind of did well in North Carolina to get the program up and then has had a really really rough couple seasons here injuries and and other things we talked about it with Mac Brown the cover is not quite as bare uh, as it may seem, but you know, I, I've, I think Fedora brings a lot of football smarts and experience and that's never a bad thing. Yeah. And he's got experience with kind of that power spread that Texas is really trying to employ, which is great to have. And I mean, Texas isn't doing bad recruiting in state, but you know, the fact of the matter is 
he's got in-state connections. He was a high school coach in, in Texas and he yep. went to Austin college. So he's got in-state connections that is never a bad thing to have more smart people around. You know, there's an old leadership adage that a good leader realizes is never the smartest person in the room. So bring in an, another guy who's a talented offensive mind like Larry Fedora, who can help for a year coach up some quarterbacks or for a year can help you kind of shore up some things in your running game. You know, there are a lot of, there, there's never too many smart people in the room when it comes to creating a game plan. I, I think it's spot on. There is no downside in my mind. So quickly, the softball team was also in action this weekend. Just absolutely blasting folks. They run ruled four of their first five opponents. Just absolutely bodying folks. They lost one, dropped one to LSU with a... Uh, it was, it was it was a tough one, but then came back and uh, avenged that loss with a 4-3 to walk-off win over number 18, Kentucky. The women already have eight games underneath their belt. They're number 11 in the country, and they will probably continue to rise. Kyle, that's a good start. If uh, Now, I'm not a softball expert. Cover a little softball, but that's that's a pretty good pretty good start, right? Yeah, it's. Uh, I like to use the term because of Mrs. Osterman, the, the cat's meow. You know, Texas softball um, can be one of the best programs and should be one of the best programs in the country. And, and like I said a couple times on this podcast, I think Mike White is sneakily one of the best coaching hires in an era of pretty good coaching hires all around the board. I think he's doing some real cool things. Um you know, they have multiple wins over uh, ranked opponents uh, already or have played multiple ranked teams already. They're, you know, seven and one and and the, the, the number is getting smaller next to their name. It's exciting, man. It's uh, make sure you don't just watch baseball. Turn around the street, go to the other side of the Red McCombs field and watch a little softball. There's good stuff going on over there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. The Big 12 is, is always a good softball conference. So I'm interested to see what that turns out. So quickly, the golf team continued to build on their lead and the, uh, the Sugar Bowl, actually. Texas having <laughs> even more success in the Sugar Bowl. That's right. They are up four strokes on the number one team in the country, USC. And all five of Texas's qualifying golfers are within the top 20 individually at the 20-team tournament, which is also incredible and women's basketball Kansas State man like what the heck <laughs> Hate what him. the heck Kansas State manages to beat the ladies again which is just absolutely annoying Texas shot 33% had 13 stinking turnovers like Kansas State I don't get it yeah they Kansas State also didn't shoot particularly well from two I think they were about 33% but they shot 43% from behind the arc and lit them up there. It, ah, let's kick Kansas State out of the conference. Don't we have the power to do that? They just—they don't add anything of joy in this conference. Marie Kondo says they do not spark joy for the rest of the Big 12. I mean, I definitely, nothing about Manhattan, Kansas sparks joy currently. All I have are random Ron Prince flashbacks, which is not good for anybody. So uh, that's all <laughs> I've got to say about that. But now is the part of the show where we stop being ridiculous and become more ridiculous. And we honor one of the best traditions in all of college sports, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Oh, man, I'm a a huge fan of NBA All-Star Weekend. 
uh, in this past weekend, if you didn't know, was the NBA All-Star Game. Maybe it stems from uh, NBA Live 05 and the slam dunk contest they had in that and how tough it was to hit the double under leg um, uh, 360 dunk. But, you know, I, I love I love the dunk contest. I love the rising stars. I love, you know, the whole, the whole uh, theater of it and how the spectacle of it and how some guys, you know, being a, a Spurs fan, some guys would rather just take a couple days off and, and get a little relaxation. You know, it's, it's a, it's a point in the season to evaluate a little bit, but what happened in this game was they, they broke it up this year with, you know, the captains instead of East first West, which is, which is fun. I think it's a cool thing that, that other leagues should, should think about. But um, it, what happened was you ended up getting a pretty stacked team on Team LeBron. Um, and, and Team team Giannis um, was was still very, very good. Uh, ended up losing the game. But, but the, the star of, the, of all the stars um, was Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant uh, was the MVP. He had 31 points, 6 of 9 from 3-point. And again, this is not a, a defensive, uh, you know, extravaganza this is to exploit the the offensive players and and Durant is obviously very very good at one of those but he joined some pretty exclusive uh territory to uh to win one regular season and now his second all-star MVP to go with two finals MVPs and sorry for the specific spec for how specific that stat is um he joins Magic Johnson Michael Jordan Shaq Kobe and LeBron is the only players to ever do that. And I think as I uh, got the, uh, the the church basketball group text fired up with with my list of, of all time best um, and and put uh, put Durant uh, above Kobe um, and really really angered some people. Um, I feel I feel slightly vindicated. I still think that was just a take to get the uh, to get the folks talking i still think kobe has him right now but i think durant will finish above kobe on that all-time list so take that uh take you know it's spicy just just marinate on it everyone and feel free to uh, to use it in any group text that you want to watch your phone melt down in are kobe fans really people though that's the question like are kobe stands really people uh, i mean some hate tweets about that we really are. yeah that's good <laughs> i'm all for it. tweet me only your kobe i have stats i will come back at you at he's a fine player but a very overrated in the overall pantheon it's, metrics are are not good to to kobe and, and the ball hogged era but anyways kobe <laughs> fans are are not you know they're fine but tweet me at kyle carpenter you know, i want all your kobe takes uh, I just want to take a shot at Kobe because you know what I've argued on both sides of that. Just just because I like to stir the pot because I'm not the biggest NBA fan. I just kind of like to get people going. Uh, but my <laughs> bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. We were at at the risk of becoming an Alliance of American Football <laughs> podcast. I could not leave this alone. So um, the San Antonio Commanders uh, had a game this weekend, like they tend to do, and. Steve Spurrier was asked about the environment when he played the um, when he played in the Alamo Dome, which Kyle and I, you have both played on that field, and it's an incredible atmosphere when you bring a good sure. crowd. But um, Spurrier, if you know anything about me, and we talked actually about Steve Spurrier last week when we talked about the AAF, Steve Spurrier is my spirit animal. Because if you know me well, you don't always get to see this on the podcast, but pettiness is my native language. And Steve Spurrier was asked about the environment. And he said 
that the environment in San Antonio was louder than Rocky Top ever was. And this is a man that said that it was a shame when the Georgia uh, library burned down because two of the books were left uncolored. And he just continues to add to the, just the legend of pettiness that speaks to the deepest parts of my being. And I just, I can't miss this opportunity to just, just applaud the God of petty. And I, I just have to. Gosh, it's, this is just going to be good. This might turn into the what did Steve Spurrier do this week. But we can tie it into Texas because his, his quarterback looked very good, Garrett Gilbert. But um, I, I want to throw a stat. I know it's the end, Gerald, but I, I have a quick trivia bit. So uh, San Antonio in that game, the the uh, Alamo Dome game, had 29,176 uh, announced uh, for, for the attendance. Very, very good showing. Do you know? what the San Diego Chargers averaged during the 2018 season. 28,000. No, that would be 25,400. <laughs> so the the AAF in San Antonio, again, Spurrier was onto something, had 5,000 more people than an average. And actually, I, I don't believe any Chargers uh, game broke 29,000. So I think bigger than any uh, game that the San Diego Superchargers featured in. Well, the, the San Antonio uh, natives have been clamoring for an NFL team yep. since Red McCombs bought the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. And then they thought that the New Orleans Saints, Saints. were going to move there after yeah. Katrina. So these people just give them football and they will show up. That's true. It's I South mean, they, Texas. Just that's do right. it. That's right. They ride for for the UTSA Roadrunners. Of course they can ride for the Fighting Garrett Gilberts. Or for the, excuse me, the uh, the, the Fighting uh, Steve Spuriers. No, no, those are both Orlando. I'm off. The Fighting, uh, either coached by a, a Longhorn alum, Bill Bradley, the Super Bill Bradleys. There we go. Landed it. Nick Rose. The there it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. There's the connection. There's always a Texas connection but that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet as i said all kobe takes can be directed at kyle carpenter i put him straight in my veins i love that stuff give him to me uh on twitter you can follow me on twitter i am at gh goodrich follow the show on twitter at longhorn pod and of course you can choose an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com thank you so much for tuning in again this week and until next time hook up hook em. katie to the knicks